1: A great good afternoon how are you on this Thursday May 25th the year 2023 Tigers Cajuns Cowboys staying alive in their respective conference tournaments can the Boston Celtics stay alive in the Eastern Conference Finals and more about the NFL some of the stories and topics that will be Covering today with my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, well, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133
0: on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines.
1: Well, it was a good day yesterday for the LSU Tigers as they uh, took care of business. And now they'll be back on the hill coming up at around 4.30 this afternoon in theory against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Paul Skeens will get the ball from Jake Johnson. He'll be on the mound today, which always bodes well for LSU's chances. Now with a win today, LSU would advance directly to Saturday's single elimination round for a noon contest. A loss would put LSU back in action tomorrow at 3 p.m. So we will talk. We'll head out to Hoover, Alabama. Doug Thompson filling in for uh, the play-by-play role uh, yesterday, the former um, World Series champion pitcher for LSU. Doug Thompson will join us here in about 15, oh, 10, 10 minutes or so from Hoover, Alabama. The Ragin' Cajuns. Oh, what a win they had last night. Um, Jackson Nezu didn't allow a hit for over five and two thirds innings. The offense did the rest in a quick six to one victory over the Texas State Bobcats in the opening game of the Sun Belt Tournament at Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery, Alabama. Here is Matt Deggs the head coach of the Cajuns, and his thoughts on the win.
2: Yeah, I thought we played a great game. It was uh, very balanced. Uh, Nezu did his thing. He's done it every time out for a while now. Uh, he was really, really good. Uh, Danny's zone was tight, but he was consistent with it, and so his misses were very competitive. They were just on the edges, but it cost him some pitch count stuff. And, and uh A couple walks, a couple hit batters, uh, but the stuff was crisp. It was firm, and uh, he was able to locate three pitches uh, when he absolutely needed to tonight. I thought we played great defense. I didn't realize we had no hitter going uh, until I made the pitching change. I was just so focused on Jackson and the game.
1: Well, he he certainly pitched well. And with the win, the Cajuns improved to 37 and 20. They'll now meet number one seed Coastal Carolina tonight at 730 for the right to stay in the all-important winner's bracket. Here is a lengthy Matt Degg's keys to
2: beating Coastal tonight. You've got to navigate their lineup. And uh, it's, you know, pound for pound, the best in the league and uh, put them in and you know there's there's a few really talented lineups in our league and uh, Coastal one and USM's another Uh, you know I think we have a very dynamic lineup I'm not going to talk about us uh, but you've got to be able to navigate their lineup and you've got to limit freebies and you know you've got to continue to defend it which we've done at a record-breaking pace all year uh, I think we filled a 982 on a year and may have gone up tonight I don't know. but uh, that, that's the key you know we had three great games against them and the first one we got after them, the second one they got after us and then the third one we had a, we had a lead with two outs in a ninth we had a one run lead and uh, Lucky uh, jumped on a fastball and was able to run it out of the ballpark the other way and they tied it up and then we had to try to be sharky and which you all saw today how good he is. And uh, Rocco, I think that was Rocco ran him out of the ballpark, and Brown goes over the fence and brings it back. He robs it. I mean, it was a heck of a series, just like this uh, Southern Miss series we just had. So there's some, you know, they keep announcing it here, but it's true, this league is a really, really good league this year. And I think it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Uh, You know, I've heard him announce everybody's, you know, in the top – uh 50 or 100 you know rpi and and uh that's that's a rarefied error man that's that's uh there, i bet you know that you would have to go into some power five conferences to find tournaments where it's that way and so my point is you got to navigate the lineup you can't give freebies and we got to battle our butts off at the plate because that's a hey that's an omaha type team over there i promise you
1: all right, Matt Diggs, over in Lake Charles, which has been quite a tournament for McNeese. Remember, they opened things up Tuesday with a four-zip win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Then they come back yesterday, and in the longest game in Southland Conference tournament history, Nichols ekes out a 3-2 to win over McNeese in 14 innings. It was a late night. The Cowboys come back early today, in an elimination game against UIW and the Cowboys get a three zip win today to stay alive. And now they will get ready to play tomorrow, Friday at 2.30 p.m. against uh, somebody. I'm not sure who just yet, but um, they're in uh, all the way to Friday. So congratulations to McNeese on that front um nba playoffs resume again tonight and the boston celtics will try to stay alive trailing three games to one to the miami heat um game five tonight in boston lsu basketball coach matt mcmahon reached the ncaa allowed 13 scholarship limit today when forward damian collins tweeted He had committed to the Tigers. He had uh, a little more than a month after entering the transfer portal. Collins tweeted the word committed with purple and gold emojis and the hashtag Go Tigers. He's 6'9". He's 210 pounds. He played the past two seasons sparingly at Kentucky after being a consensus five-star recruit. Out of Atlanta, Texas, he was ranked as the number 14 prospect nationally in the 2021 class by 247 Sports. He was the Texas Gatorade Player of the Year that season. He averaged 35 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, and 6 blocks in leading Atlanta High School to a 19-5 record. Atlanta was undefeated in the three previous seasons. Uh, he played in the three biggest postseason games for high school se- seniors. The McDonald's All-American Game, the Jordan Brand Classic, and the Allen Iverson Round Ball Classic. But he had trouble finding a spot on the talented and deep Kentucky roster in two seasons there, averaging just seven minutes in 52 games with two starts. So Collins fills out the roster, and... Um, He is the sixth transfer now to join the LSU program this spring. Let's go over them. Will Baker, center from Nevada. Guards, Jalen Cook from Tulane. Carlos Stewart from Santa Clara. Forward, Hunter Dean from George Washington. And guard forward, Jordan Wright from Vanderbilt. So, you've got five returnees. Derek Fountain, Trey Hannibal, Jalen Reed, Terrell Ward, Mawani Wilkinson. You've got the six transfers. And you've got two freshmen, forward Corey chest guard mike williams there's your lineup we'll see what happens there meanwhile what a day it is today for the lsu women's basketball team as they've departed for washington dc to celebrate its historic national championship at the united states capitol and the white house the team has already arrived in washington it's headed directly to the united states capitol building where the Louisiana congressional delegation welcomed the team. They had lunch. They had a tour. The Tigers will visit the White House on Friday afternoon for a ceremony that will begin at 1 p.m. Coach Mulkey has won a bunch of national championships, and she's brought her team uh, each and every time to the White House. When she and the Tigers visit President Joe Biden's White House, it'll mark the fifth president she sees in the executive mansion. She visited the White House and President Ronald Reagan after the 1984 Olympics when she won a gold medal with Team USA. She visited with President George Bush following the 2005 National Championship at Baylor, President Barack Obama in 2012, President Donald Trump in the 2019 National Championship. So, um... Interesting, quite interesting. This women's basketball team will become the fourth LSU sport to visit the White House in celebration of a national championship, joining baseball, football, and track and field. Quite, quite the coup. All right, guest list today. Here we go. You ready? Doug Thompson from Hoover, previewing today's matchup with Arkansas. Grant Hughes, our NBA reporter for Bleacher Report. Previewing game five between the Heat and the Celtics in Boston tonight. We'll uh, start off our number two with a national championship head coach who um, who had his way in Hoover. Uh, former Tiger head coach Paul Maneri will join us at around 3.15. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. All things in the NFL. It's a who's who's guest list. We're glad you are with us we'll take our first time out then we head out to hoover alabama lsu and arkansas preview next
0: this is the Jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
1: defending world champs uh you can see them live in person the 1037 the game lafayette and 1041 lake charles wants to hook you up with another astros weekend getaway houston takes on the cincinnati reds on saturday june 17th and you can be there register in the game rewards club at 1037 the to score four tickets a tour of minute maid park and hotel accommodations that saturday night astros weekend getaways powered by butcher ac We're back time for our SEC baseball tournament update brought to you by the Louisiana Fighter Fighter, Fighters Foundation, who aim to create a safer community by offering training courses to current Louisiana firefighters and first responders, as well as free training and consulting services to our community businesses, owners, teachers, and administrators by offering a variety of safety courses and consulting services that will better prepare them for the unexpected and ultimately create a safer Louisiana. Learn more at louisianafirefighters.com. Texas A&M eliminated South Carolina this morning with a five-zip shutout win. Alabama currently leads Auburn in the bottom of the sixth, five to three, LSU Arkansas coming up today at 4 30 where we'll hear our next guest former World Series champion pitcher for the LSU Tigers now part of the LSU Sports Radio Network coverage of LSU baseball Mr. Doug Thompson Douglas good afternoon sir thanks for the time buddy
3: well of course thank you guys for having me always great to join the show and what a great time of year it is postseason college baseball my favorite time of year
1: uh, great performance yesterday by Hurd Ackenhausen. Uh, the bats were alive. Confidence is built. And now you say we're going to give the ball to Paul Skeens. My goodness gracious. Um, that's a pretty good start to the day.
3: Yeah, it is. And, you know, in the postseason, all that matters is the next game uh, and momentum. And and if you have the momentum uh, at the right time of the year, uh to be a very special year, especially with a team like this. So, Love Paul Skeens on the night. Uh, I love it watching him pitch every night. He's probably the best pitcher I've ever seen uh, pitch, you know, with my own two eyes, I guess. I mean, he's, he's a stud. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's a great chance to keep the momentum moving forward with the best pitcher in college baseball on the mound. Uh, but you know what? It's not going to be easy because uh, if you remember back to that first matchup with Arkansas with Paul Skeens on the mound, it was a one-to-one game going into the ninth. It was a nail biter, so uh, it's going to be a great, as great a college baseball matchup as one could hope.
1: This tournament has been unbelievable: walk off home run, walk off grand yeah. slam yesterday, and now you've got Arkansas who won a nail biter over Texas A and M six to five. Give me a little. What do you remember about Arkansas? They're very good. They're well coached. These are two really yeah. high level college baseball teams.
3: Yep, Dave Van Horn's got him going. This is a team with a lot of synergy. They're a very close ball club. Uh, lots of leadership up and down throughout the lineup. They've had some key injuries, guys, that are now returning to the lineup. And uh, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be dangerous. And Hagan Smith, who's, who's already pitched uh, once against the Tigers, went five innings, gave up three runs, which, you know, <laughs> against this lineup, I guess, uh, isn't that bad at all, right? I mean, so just expect a great college baseball game. I would I would expect that it's going to be low scoring, and uh, hopefully Paul Skeens. Uh, you know, I know that they're going to. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine that they would be, uh, you know, careful with his pitch count. Uh, they're going to be monitoring. I'm sure how he feels. I haven't really asked them what their plans are. I tend to uh, keep my mind, uh, my nose out of that type of stuff. But um, right. <clears throat> you know, hopefully he gets through five six innings, and and LSU still it's it's still a close ball game.
1: You used Ackenhausen out of the bullpen yesterday. Uh, when you go to the pen today, who, who, who do you think matches up well with Arkansas?
3: Well, you know, they can swing it. Uh, Gavin Guidry is going to be a guy that, you know, it looked like yesterday he had just in case things got out of hand with Ackenhausen, he was going to go to him next. So uh, it looks like that where we are right now is that anything close uh, late in the game, he would go to Gavin Guidry. Uh, directly, I don't. I don't know if he'll follow with that. I saw. I thought I saw Griffin Herring warm up a little bit yesterday, uh, when things started to get a uh, little. You know, the nail-biting moment there in the sixth inning with the bases loaded, right. when when Akenhausen came in, uh, It took him a minute to kind of get settled in and find the release point on his breaking pitch. Uh, when he finally did, he was you know all but dominant the next the next three innings. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Griffin Herring could be a name you can look for a freshman. Uh, I, I think that also uh, it looked like Gavin Guidry threw Sammy Dutton out there in a close ball game uh, to face a righty uh, when it looked like Thatcher Hurd had had enough in that last at-bat with uh, with Petri. Yeah,
1: got a lot of options to go to. One thing that you mentioned that you know, when Ackenhausen came in, bases loaded one out, he gets the strikeout, gets a ground out. I thought that was the key moment of the game. Boy, there oh, were a huge. lot of runs scored with two outs for LSU um, which tells me man, they're really zeroed in focused in they were patient, yeah. right uh waiting for the yeah. right pitch. they do a couple of walks here and there, a sack yeah. fly here and there that that that's impressive to me. you know more yeah. baseball you've forgotten more baseball than I'll know, but that seems impressive to me.
3: I wouldn't say that um uh, you you've been around a while, but and we both uh we both have learned a lot of what we know from you know one of the greatest of all time, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, for sure the bat there in the second inning with Jordan Thompson, he got to 0-2-1-2. Uh, he worked it to three balls and two strikes, and then took a walk after fouling several pitches off, uh, and that enabled Braden Joe Bear to come up with a new count. He hit a you know an absolute rocket out to right center field, and, and that's what it takes to win championships. You got to go up there and be able to compete in the bats, and if you if you fall behind early, uh, the mindset could you know needs to become stay alive as long as you can. Eat up as many pitches as you can, and hopefully that guy makes a mistake because at the end of the day, he's still an amateur pitcher. Um, And LSU did a great job of that. They were relentless with two outs. And, again, uh, to win in the postseason when teams' backs are oftentimes against the wall, that's what it takes. You've got to be a tough out with two outs and uh, never stop grinding. And, And LSU did a great job of that yesterday.
1: Doug Thompson with us. He'll be on the call of today's game between LSU and Arkansas. We may see a record number one seeds coming out of the SEC that will yeah. be announced on Monday for the NCAA tournament. Both of these teams today that are playing are going to be number one seeds. Um, it, it always, it, I guess it always comes down to wh- which team does it matter to the most? Because both teams are going to be playing. Both teams have goals far well and beyond this. It's the big picture at the end of the season, uh, but you know how do you how do you address that elephant in the room?
3: Well, listen, I mean, you want to win every game. Don't get me wrong, right? Uh, but the yeah. SEC tournament, because LSU at this point, again, in my opinion, um, at this point, I think they've done enough to get that that you know top four seed locked up, um, you know, with the win yesterday. I could be wrong there. It could be, you know, top five or six seeds. But I I would expect them to be a top four seed. And LSU, unfortunately, right now, um, still has some answers that they need questions to. Like, uh, who besides, the you know, Ackenhausen, okay, coach, I can do it right now. Uh, We saw that outing. Now we think we might be able to depend on him. Who else? Uh, Because we need a couple guys. I referenced earlier. Uh, on another show out of Baton Rouge. Back in 1997, there were two bullpen pitchers uh, named Chris DeMuy and Brian Doherty. And they were solid out of the bullpen. Uh, they were so valuable to our team because they, they we knew what we were going to get out of them. They were going to throw strikes. They had two pitches they could throw for strikes. Uh, they were going to strike guys out. And they were going to keep our team, uh, you know, with a chance to win the game. And uh, right. without them, you know, as great as that, I'm not sure that we were able to make that run into Omaha and eventually win it. Uh, they need uh, Dot and Demui, as we used to refer to them. Uh, they need those guys to step up. Do they have those guys? Absolutely. The bullpen is littered with guys with the stuff, the actual ability to get the job done. But it's more of a mindset now when you're playing in the, in the postseason. Uh, you You really have to have a – uh, a dom- you know, a, a dominant type mindset where you go in there and you're not willing to give an inch. And that's what Thatcher Heard did yesterday. When he gave a yeah. ball, he came back with a strike. When he threw two balls, he came back with a strike. Two counts, he went to three balls and no strikes. And he actually came back and struck the batter out with three straight fastballs or four straight fastballs for mm-hmm. strikes after that. And you absolutely must pitch like that in the postseason. So we'll see. Who's next? Yesterday, look. Yeah, I'm not sure how big a deal the player of the game award is that we hand out at the end of each radio broadcast, uh, but that's really not a committee or a vote of any kind. Maybe we should open up a vote like that on Twitter. Um, but, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, it's really just Chris and I talking about who, who had the best line, who had the big impact moment of the game. And yesterday it felt pretty good to give that, that award to Nate Ackenhausen, and I truly thought after yes. that game that he really yes. was the player of the game for LSU. And if that can continue to happen for this team, if the player of the game throughout the postseason can continue every now and then to be a guy out of the bullpen, LSU's going to have a chance to win the national championship. I'm with you. Uh,
1: Boy, a win today would be great. That would move LSU all the way. They would get a day off tomorrow. They'd be in the single elimination round on Saturday. If, heaven forbid, they lose today, they would play Texas A&M tomorrow at 3 p.m. I'll let you go on this one. My goodness, I'm, I'm I'm listening to the radio broadcast, but I got the television on. Man, there's a lot of purple and gold in those stands. It, I mean, it's like it's not even close with any other team. LSU is there.
3: Yeah, it's not one of those things that it's, you know, me and you talking about it who are purple and gold fans, right? It's not a biased thing, and uh, right. we're not seeing it through the color of purple and gold lenses. It is what it is. I mean, when you look in the stands, LSU by far, uh, out travels teams to this co- to this conference tournament almost every single year and yesterday it was a blowout now look it was a 9 30 a.m game South Carolina is a little further away uh, perhaps from uh, from here than uh, than Baton Rouge although I'm not sure about that uh, but it was it was awesome to see the purple and gold at such an early game and I really expect to see if uh, you know a pretty packed house today I look it's as I sit here in the hotel parking lot waiting to go up and get ready to go, uh, it's 84 degrees and uh, not like the 84 that we're used to down there near the bayou. It's a, yeah. it's a nice cool 84 and by game time at four 30, it'll probably be at 79. And uh, you know, by the later innings, of course it'll be uh, into the, you know, low to mid seventies, which is as, as great temperatures you can ask for for college baseball. So, I expect a picture-perfect uh, scene, and I expect, again, a great game tonight between the Tigers and the Hogs. With Paul Skeens
1: on the mound. Two hours before first pitch. I can't thank you enough, Doug. Y'all have a great broadcast. It'll be here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, have fun. Um, good luck, and uh, thank you, my friend, so much.
3: Thank you, man. Y'all have a great day. Have a great week.
1: All right, Doug Thompson. On the call for today's ball game between LSU and Arkansas. Too good to. This should be good. You better get to. You better get to Skeens early. If you don't get to them early, that board gets in a rhythm. Look out. The Miami Heat better get on a run early or look out. Game five Eastern Conference Finals preview with Grant Hughes next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The game has a brand new app. Did you know that? Well, we do, and it's now your one-stop shop for all things the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free mobile app today from your Apple or Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game. No matter where you are. Because we're Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And
1: we're back game Number five in the Eastern Conference Finals. So many people thought that it would be over and that Miami would be joining the Denver Nuggets for that June 1st NBA Finals beginning. But the Celtics bounced back in a big-time way, hitting three ball after three balls to make the series now 3-1 in favor of the Heat. Game five tonight from the Garden in Boston. Joining us to talk all things NBA, just a good guy NBA feature writer for Bleacher Report, Mr. Grant Hughes. Good afternoon, Grant. How you doing, buddy?
4: I'm good, Jordy. I'm, I'm glad we got at least uh, we didn't have two sweeps in the conference finals. Yeah. That would have been uh, that would have been a little much to handle
1: for me. That would have been a first, by all means. Uh, Boston certainly rebounded and responded. I think it may be in all likelihood saved their head coach's job for the time being. Uh, but boy, they when they shoot the three ball. Uh, they're, they're really, really good. Um, who do you like tonight and why?
4: Well, it, it's funny, like, game from now on, for however much longer the series goes, I think Boston's going to be favored um, because of the regular season track record and all the other stuff. I still think it's just really hard. I'm going to take the heat tonight, and, and I think it's mainly just because it's so difficult for me to get over how Boston looked for the first two games and especially game three, you know, you, there was all the talk of boy, it looked like they quit and every other way you could sort of dance around that without outright saying it. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine a team coming back from looking like that. You know, they just, you know, there's no numbers. There's no analysis. There's no anything other than if you watched a lot of basketball, you kind of, it's hard to forget when a team looks as bad as Boston did in game three. So uh, it just, I can't see them, you know, maybe they win tonight. I don't think so, but it's just, that felt like it, you know, when I, when I saw them in game three, it just seemed like this is not a team that, that has anything left.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I thought so. Um, uh, Gabe Vinson who's been a, a valuable member from Miami. He's been ruled out of tonight's game with a, with an ankle sprain. So we'll see what effect that has. I don't know if, if and when Tyler hero might be back. Um, but the heat down a man. So uh, we'll go from there. And are you in agreement? If, if Boston had got swept, do you think there, there'd have been an announcement maybe today that uh, a sixth team would be looking for a new head coach?
4: Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that that would have, I mean, that may still be the case because, yeah. you know, all of the things that that got Joe Missoula, uh, you know, the wrong kind of attention, that, that all still happened. If Boston, you know, extends this to six or, you know, seven or whatever, it's still it's hard to sort of uh, unring that bell and I think like I mean they you know the Celtics gave him a, a four-year contract but this was not the person they wanted to be coaching the team this year you know this was a reaction to Emilio Doka being fired and or suspended first and then fired and he would just sort of you know maybe it's unfair to say he, Missoula happened to be there because he's a respected assistant and, and all that stuff but like this wasn't the guy they would have picked if they could have chosen anybody. It's just this, right. was, this was the best of their options at the time. So that that's kind of been working against them all along, in addition to everything everyone's criticized him for, you know, not calling timeouts and just, you know, being made to look pretty bad compared to Heat coach Eric Spolstra.
1: Yes, Grant Hughes, kind enough to join us. I mentioned five uh franchise is looking for a coach. Detroit is one of them. Milwaukee, of course, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Toronto. Um, I'm a big fan of Nick Nurse. I don't know why, like, Milwaukee wouldn't say, you know what, you want a title? Um, man, let, let's sign you up. What, what are you hearing along those lines?
4: It, it certainly seems like Nurse. Uh, Nurse, I think, is the guy that is showing up now on On the most lists of, like, we're down to our top three guys, um, mm-hmm. which I think is right. I, I think he, you know, has – things did not go well for him in Toronto this past season or even really the one before, but he's got the championship, he's got the reputation as a guy that is really innovative, that will try, you know, interesting things on defense, will go with some weird lineups. Um, so I think he's got a lot of those factors working in his favor, whereas – you know, Monty Williams has had a couple of jobs now. I thought Monty Williams would have been great for Detroit, uh, but it seems like he doesn't yes. want that job, um, which which I understand. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think Nurse is probably the guy you'd want if you could pick from anybody here. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I'll, I we don't usually get this information, but I'll be really curious to see what his salary winds up being because I do think he's going to kind of get to play these teams against each other if, if he is in fact Boy. you know the in the final round, so to speak, for so many of them.
1: What team would be the best fit for a Doc Rivers?
4: Ooh, I don't know. I think I'd have him last on my list of available guys. Um, okay. It just seems like, you know, if I forget what the exact numbers are, but he, I think he's lost his last seven straight elimination playoff games. He's got all mm-hmm. these, you know, brutal postseason collapses on, on his resume. And it seems like every time he loses a job, former players are not in a rush to defend him. So right. you've got the underperformance and you've got guys that could, you know, step in and say, oh, this is ridiculous, which you do see for some coaches, right? You see guys go to bat for former coaches if they've played for them. So Rivers might be, you know, I'd want Williams over Rivers. I'd want, so to answer your yes. question, I don't I don't want him. I don't think he's a great fit anywhere. I don't think I, I would pick him you. over any of the other candidates you've heard mentioned.
1: I am with you. Tell go back to the television booth if that's if you need a job. You got so much money you can retire and do anything. I, I really thought, Grant, that uh that Greg Popovich was gonna walk off into the sunset. Now they got the number one pick. They're gonna take Victor Wembayana uh to go play in San Antonio. Does this change everything for Greg Popovich again? I mean, it sure
4: makes uh however many more years he wants to coach a lot more fun than they were gonna be otherwise because the, the real, you know, the Spurs have been, you know, they were one of the last teams to kind of steer into, you know, we're we're going to lose on purpose here, basically, and rebuild. You know, every other franchise had kind of embraced that, and so as a result, pr- until now, they really didn't have like a young guy that you'd say this is their cornerstone. You know, most most bad teams that have you know gotten high lottery picks have a guy like that or two. Even you think of like Orlando has Paolo Banqueiro. uh You look at Houston's got Jalen Green, who has a lot of upside. Detroit's got Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey. The, the Spurs don't really have that guy, so now they do. And so and, and so for Popovich, that's got to be you know, I'm I'm sure he's he wants to win, right? He's won so much in his career and he can talk all he wants about how, you know, developing these guys is fun and we're just trying to get better tomorrow, but but now he's really got a guy that just, you know, anything's on the table. Who knows how good this Wemby guy is going to be, but He's better than anybody the Spurs have. That, that's for sure, and, and I that's imagine sure. Popovich cares about that a lot.
1: You know, we've been around basketball long enough. Um, what I love about what I've seen this year that the teams that are still around—Denver—and it certainly looks like Miami, unless there's an absolute collapse. And I just can't fathom the way that team is coached and the and the discipline that that team has. Yeah. The old the old pound the ball and wait the isolation that's gone. These teams move the ball, their bodies move. They swing the ball from side one side of the court to the other side. They go inside, they go outside. Everybody touches the ball. It's a beautiful game of basketball with these teams and I am so glad to see it return again.
4: I think I I totally agree, Uh, and I think there's a related aspect, which is that for the most part, you know, Denver and Miami, to to cite those two teams, have been, you know, drafted and scouted and developed, and, you know, Jimmy Butler was a big, you know, acquisition by the Heat, That's there's no question, but the rest of the guys that are playing for the Heat, I mean, half of them were undrafted. You know, the the Heat found them, they developed them, they kept them in-house for, you know, enough years to build continuity so you can play that kind of style where, where you know what the other guy is going to do and, and there's all this you know there's a lot of head nodding and understanding and there's the gears don't grind and Denver is definitely that way this team is is very much built you know the principles have all been drafted by Denver so uh, and Jokic makes everything work on offense so that's that's part of it too but yeah I agree the, the, the basketball looks better and and it's I think partly due to These are not, you know, super teams that were put together with a bunch of, you know, big free agent signings and and things like that. There's coaches that have been there for a long time in both cases, too. I think kind of nice. It's kind of a a nice change of pace from what we've had.
1: And it certainly helps when your best player is also your most unselfish player. And that's Jokic and that's Butler. And they don't force anything. They wait. They wait. They give it up. It's a beautiful thing.
4: Yeah, you know my favorite thing. I mean, we could say a million things about Jokic, but with respect to Butler, there's this. You, you hear the phrase like a good offensive, a, a, a good defender can speed up an offensive player, right? Make him, make him, you know, try to get the spots a little too quick or rush or not, yeah. you know, get to not take his time. It is impossible to speed up Jimmy Butler. I think that's my favorite thing about him: is he plays right. at whatever pace he wants to gets to whatever spot he wants to when he wants to get there and is just immune to, you know, whatever you want. Physicality doesn't bother, him. you know, double team doesn't yeah. bother. He just makes the right play and he he, yeah. he plays the way he wants to. And that's one of the hardest things in the world to do against great athletes being coached by guys that are saying we have to make this player uncomfortable. It's just You know, you can talk about the points and the toughness and the clutch and all that other stuff, but that's kind of my favorite niche basketball thing about Butler. You just cannot make him play at a pace he doesn't want to play at.
1: That's so true. So very true. Um, Hall of Fame career for Jimmy Butler? I mean,
4: I feel like a prisoner of the moment right now saying yes, but, I mean, he's got, you know, because he's just been – Either the best or second best player in the playoffs, and it happens every postseason. It seems like. Yeah. I'd say if they get to the finals again, because they've you know they were there a couple years ago uh, and were a missed shot away from doing it last year. Everybody forgets. Right. 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 I think right. you probably got to think about it because he's got enough All NBA and All Star stuff, and he's got all these big games in the playoffs. I mean, he's certainly better than some guys that are in. <laughs> I think I just. I don't know it, it it feels weird though right it doesn't feel like jimmy butler hall of famer is something you would have expected a few years ago
1: or oh, everywhere he goes though man right they win he's he is something he and and um at least he touches the ball every trip You didn't always get that with the boston celtics and jason tatum but mm. but anyway um i gotta ask you about the lakers and lebron um i, I think that was you know the the moment a long season playing a lot of minutes didn't get to the finals. I'm sure he's going to contemplate his future, but the dude still scored forty points. The dude still gets you twenty five a night. Um, he, he ain't retiring, is he? No way.
4: I mean, it just I I think you you hit it. It's he's it was the worst possible time to ask him. You know because he's playing on an injured foot. He just gave everything he had and you know almost a forty eight minute game and lost. 20 years in now, like, of course he's, of course the guy's not, wouldn't it have been weirder, think about it this way, if he'd said, yep, ready to go, wish the season, wish next season started tomorrow. Like, you know, that's right. of course that's 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 the response he's going to give. The other thing is (laughs) he is really, really good at making sure he's in the news cycle. Um, And I think there's an element of that too, where his team lost and we spent the next 48 hours talking about him, you know, so uh, that, that, that was a little calculated, I think, uh, as well as just, you're asking the guy that just ran a marathon if he'd like to start another one. You know, right. Yeah, now. let's do another one just, tomorrow. It, that's right. Of course, he's going to say <laughs> that's, no.
1: That's right. Um, Kyrie Irving. Still, you say I wouldn't touch Kyrie Irving with a ten-foot pole. Everybody's talking about Kyrie hooking up with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and this. I still think if they had those three together, I still think Denver beats them.
4: I think that team is worse than than what the Lakers yes. would have if they just brought everybody back next year. Um, I agree. Uh, give me Austin give me Austin Reeves and and Hachimura and, and Jared Vanderbilt and you could probably take uh, D'Angelo Russell out of there. I'm not interested yeah, in, get rid of him. in him I don't yeah. think. But yeah. um yeah, if if you do what it takes to get Kyrie on that roster, even if you just pretend he's going to be reliable which he won't. Um no. you you got no depth. You you're just it's just a ridiculous it'll be a huge mistake. I I think. I feel real comfortable saying that if they, if they go that route.
1: All right, we both think Denver and Miami, right? Um, Boy, I don't know how you beat Denver. I don't know how Miami matches up with that size and that that's that ability. I just don't know how. But then we always say that about Miami, and here they are.
4: Yeah, that's the problem. Is Miami, by my eye, shouldn't have won any of the series that they exactly so far. So I don't know where the analysis or what analysis you even use when it just seems like the heat want it, do they actually do want it more, you know, like that cliche and all that other stuff, just that's what you have to resort to. I keep it simple. I think uh, Jokic right now is playing better than anyone else in the world. Uh, It just feels like Denver is unstoppable offensively uh, and they'll defend just enough against what really until the playoffs was a bad heat offense. So if it's Denver, Miami, I think the heat struggle to score. And I think, Denver's just, and Jokic particularly, just they're just too good. They're too good. It feels like yeah. they're a
1: year to me. The over-under on assists. Um, gee whiz, I'm betting the over if it's Denver versus Miami because they move the ball. It's fun to watch. I hope that's what happens. We shall see. Grant, thank you so much, man. Enjoy uh, enjoy game five, five tonight. We'll see what happens.
4: Yeah, thanks. We're running out of games. we got to we got to take these in. I hate it.
1: You know, There was no game last night, so guess what I watched? The last dance was on the- again. <laughs> of course. Of course. Man, of I course. loved it. I loved it again. Grant, take care, buddy. We'll talk soon. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: And our partners such as ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all by Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon, located in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and in Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. Man, you can't win until you start playing, so start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted, and by Cajun Chef. Oh, boy. The Beard family for 90 years over there in St. Martinville. Do, Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce.
0: Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually,
5: I'd like to jump in and take that
0: one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now, back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show. On the game. 103.7 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Well, after some... Uh wild dramatic finishes last night uh, on behalf of Florida and Alabama taking uh defeat and turning it into victory uh late in extra innings my goodness gracious today so far quiet Am beats eliminate South Carolina five zip and right now top of the eighth Alabama seven Auburn three still to come we'll take you right up to the pregame show here. Between LSU and Arkansas, uh, it looks like things, knock on wood, will get underway on time. Pre-game show at 4, first pitch at 4.30 with Paul Skeens going for the Tigers. Coming up, hour number two of the program, uh, Paul Maneri will join us, the World Series champion coach for LSU baseball. will get his thoughts on the tournament and things that he's doing now. And then Frank Schwab will join us with all the latest news from around the NFL as otas are taking place um what are his thoughts on the nfc south saints but panthers falcons will get his uh his take on that and much much more so update on all the tournaments coming your way as we begin hour number two after the top of the sports uh, top of the hour sports update here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston
0: Astros. Live and local, this is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg.
1: It's hour number two up two and away we go on this Thursday, May 25th, the year 2023. With LSU, the Ragin' Cajuns, McNeese, all still staying alive in their respective conference baseball tournaments. LSU women's basketball team at the White House tomorrow, but they're in D.C. today, enjoying and reaping the benefits of their national championship. And it's Game 5 in the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Denver are waiting to see what happens tonight between Miami and Boston. Boston has to win or their season is over. Miami, if they get a win on the road, they advance to the NBA Finals. These stories and more coming your way is my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the Evco Development Studios. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Bottom of the eighth, Alabama gets out of a jam. They lead Auburn 7-3. Uh, in, in a game where uh, it's an elimination game, just as, just as it was earlier today when Texas A&M eliminated South Carolina from the SEC tournament. The Aggies win it five to zip. We'll take you right up to the pregame show between LSU and Arkansas here on the game. First pitch will be at 430. Very significant um, as Paul Skeens gets the mound. For LSU. With a win, LSU advances to Saturday. They get Friday off. If LSU loses today, they will have to play Texas A&M tomorrow at 3 p.m. Either way, just check it out here on the game. We'll have it all for you. Arkansas, certainly a good team. There's no question about it. co champs of the SEC regular season um, gave Paul Skeens all he wanted when they faced each other earlier in the season. So not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. And um, we'll just have to see what happens today. Can the bats stay alive can they stay alive? And looking back at these two teams as they faced one another earlier this season, and um, y- you'll see that very highly, highly contested ball games, to say the very, very least. So it's great that you have Skeens on the mound, no question about that. Ella, you know, in in their first matchup, LSU. LSU won the series. They lost the opener 9-3 to in 10 innings. They 10-run ruled Arkansas in game two, 12-2, and then they exploded at the box in game three with a 14-5 win. But if you look at the box score from the first game, you will see that Paul Skeens um, went seven innings, only gave up two hits and one run, struck out 12 and walked only three, and it was a nail-biter throughout. It was a one-to-one tie. In fact, Arkansas led one zip after seven when schemes went out. LSU tied the game in the eighth, and um, in the 10th inning, Arkansas erupted for eight runs. LSU got two in the bottom of the 10th, and Arkansas went on to win it nine to three. So um, that was game one. Then LSU came back and won the next two. So does that matter in the grand scheme of things? Eh, well, we'll see. Um, Skeens was brilliant. We'll see if he can continue that brilliance today. LSU never got the bats going in that game against Arkansas. They certainly did yesterday against South Carolina. We'll see if they can continue on that front. Paul Maneri will join us in roughly about eight or nine minutes, and we'll talk about the SEC tournament. He used to dominate it, and um, uh, what would his approach be? Both of these teams are going to be number one seeds in and hosting regionals when the field of 64 gets announced on Monday. Both of them will be. It'll be a record for SEC teams holding number one seeds this year. A record, so much to the point where when super regional play comes, you're going to see an SEC team, if they advance out of their regional, play another SEC team if they advance out of theirs. You'll have two SEC teams playing for a super regional with a trip to get to to Omaha uh, in the offering. That's how many are going to be number one. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be absolutely crazy. So it's a great year for that. Frank Schwab will join us as well. We'll talk all things in the uh, NFL Um and uh, go from there. It's game number five. Oh, and in baseball, look, the Raging were winners, and they what great pitching performance. They took care of business against um, uh, Texas State yet again, and now they take on number one seed Coastal Carolina tonight at 730 for a right to stay in the all-important winner's bracket. Congratulations to the Cowboys of McNeese State. As they too um, get things done, and man, they you know they lost yesterday in a heartbreaker, heartbreaker, the longest game in Southland Conference baseball tournament history. They lose to the number one seed Nichols three to two in fourteen innings. They come back around this morning to survive and advance. They beat UIW three zip. Now they're off their feet resting. We've got um, Lamar playing nickels as we speak. And then tonight it's Northwestern State versus UNO. McNeese will play tomorrow, Friday, at 2.30 p.m. So they have survived and advanced yet again. So big, big-time performance for the Cowboys uh, as they shut out UIW. And uh, that was huge, huge. Uh, two pictures combined for the Cowboys' second shutout of the tournament. Uh, they will play, the Cowboys will play the loser of New Orleans' Northwestern State in an elimination game at 2.30 Friday in Lake Charles. UIW's season has come to an end. Um Bryson Huggins picked up the first win of the season with six scoreless innings in his start. He allowed five hits, struck out three. Brock Bartholomew earned his third save, allowing no runs in three innings of relief, walking one, allowing two hits, and striking out three. So McNeese, in the words of Saturday Night Fever, staying alive, just staying alive. Um, Austin will try to stay alive tonight in the Eastern Conference Finals as it's game five between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. And Miami with a three games to one lead in that one. So we'll see what happens along those lines. So that's your latest update on your local teams. A lot of baseball. The LSU women's basketball team departed today for... A trip to Washington, D.C. How about that? They have arrived. They are at the United States Capitol building. They had lunch with the Louisiana congressional delegation. They've had a tour, and the Tigers will visit the White House tomorrow afternoon for a ceremony that will begin at 1 p.m. Yes, indeed. How cool! How cool is that! I mean, really, how cool is that? Um, LSU basketball gets another uh, recruit, this time from the transfer portal. He's coming from two seasons at the University of Kentucky. Yes, a transfer. Now, Matt McMahon's squad has got 13 players. He's got six transfers, right? He's got... um, five returning players from last year's squad and he's got two freshmen that he signed in his recruiting class the latest addition to the squad was the former uh, five-star all-american texas gatorade player of the year where he averaged 35 points 14 rebounds seven to six and six blocked shots Damian Collins, all six foot nine, 210 pounds, a consensus five star recruit out of Atlanta, Texas. He signed with Kentucky, saw limited time with the Wildcats, but a guy that goes to the McDonald's All American Game, the Jordan Brand Classic, and the Island Iverson Roundball Classic can't be bad. Just can't be bad. So, more size, more experience, some bulk, and we'll see what uh, Collins can do. When he takes off the blue and white and puts on the purple and gold of LSU. All right. Those are your headlines. We'll take our first time out of the day. When we return, uh, always fun to visit with ex-LSU baseball head coach Paul Maneri. And he's coming up next.
0: This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette, 104 One Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat screen TV from ABI and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
1: All right, welcome back 17, 18 minutes after the hour, uh, rather, on a Thursday, May 25th. Thrilled and honored to be joined by, I tell you what, when it comes to conference tournament play, Nobody does it better. He won five Big East tournaments back in the day. He won six SEC tournaments. And, of course, he won the NCAA National Championship in 2009, coaching the LSU Tigers. Thrilled to bring my friend Paul Maneri on the air with us. Uh, good afternoon, Paul. Thank you for the time, man. How are you doing these days, buddy?
6: <laughs> well, it's good to be with you, Jordy, first of all. I'm doing fine. You know, I, I um Trying to figure out this retirement gig, you know, after being busy every day of my life for 40 years, all of a sudden uh, I got a lot of time on my hands. So trying to fill each day and try not to miss my job too much. Uh, But I I do miss it a lot. I got to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, especially at this time of the year, right? This is the fun time of the year.
6: Jordy, I used to always look at the regular season, even though people would tell me, you know, you need to enjoy the journey. But those 56 games, especially the 30 SEC games, were such a grind. And yes. you wanted to you know, have a good season because you wanted to set yourself up and posi- put in yourself in a good position for postseason play. But, man, when the, when the uh, last game of the regular season happened and now you turn your attention to postseason play, you're right. I used to look at that like this is the fun time of year. This is the reward for all this, all the work you've put in. And now let's go play some really big, important games and see if we can't win some championships.
1: I'm with you. Um, I I really wanted to get you on specifically to talk about um, the parallels between this year's team. And let's go back to 2009. You were the favorites to win the SEC. You were the preseason number one in a lot of the national polls. And um, you end up. Winning the regular season title, you win the SEC Tournament Championship, you reach the College World Series, and you win the whole thing. Talk about the pressure and how, as a coach, you handled that pressure to take it off of your team so that they could perform to their highest level.
6: Well, it all starts with great leadership within the team, Doherty. We had, we had great kids on that in the in the program for 2008. Mm-hmm. Well, they began as freshmen with me, my first year in 2007, and then they grew into juniors and you know leaders of the team. I'm talking about guys like Blake Dean and Sean Ochenko, Ryan Schimpf, uh, yeah. you know DJ Lemayu. Uh, just all those guys were just Jared Mitchell. You know, I mean, what, what a dream it was to have such wonderful kids that were so talented but also had matured and and were great leaders of the team. And I think the biggest thing about that team that year was our players held each other accountable. And if somebody didn't hustle or run out a ball or somebody didn't play good defense because they weren't focused or whatever the thing was, those those guys held each other accountable. Sometimes you don't see as much of that anymore. You know, everybody wants to, you know, just slap each other on the back, but sometimes tough love is needed to, for a team yeah. to fulfill their potential. And uh, that team was not afraid to be, you know, honest with each other. And I, I just remember when we got through the SEC tournament, so people say, oh, the SEC ter- tournament doesn't matter. And I, I think that's a bunch of hogwash, quite honestly. In 2009, we lost the opening game. It was a different format back then. It was a sixteen team right. tournament and uh, maybe it was an eight-team tournament. I can't remember exactly, but we lost the opening game on Tuesday to Vanderbilt, uh, and uh, we had to come back and win five straight games to win the SEC tournament, and we did that, and the confidence that that gave to our team that year was really unbelievable. I I told the guys winning this conference tournament was going to be more difficult than winning in Omaha and it And it turned out to be that way, honestly, yeah. uh, they were really? so proud of themselves when they won that championship, and then, of course, you know we zipped through the regional we we uh, zipped through the super regional, and um you know we went on to omaha and, and the team was just so confident in omaha that's what I remember about them days we would practice you know they they were they were intense, but they weren't uptight, you know they were confident, yeah. but they weren't. Uh, you know overly cocky they they stayed relaxed but they weren't lackadaisical and they just had the perfect blend of attitude and we just felt like we were going to beat everybody and they they ended up doing it and we won the national championship but I think the key was that they just were so confident and having so much fun uh, that and taking it one game at a time you know they didn't look too far ahead and it, yeah. it was magical Man. it really was
1: three consecutive sec tournament titles 2008 2009 2010 you win it in 13 14 17 uh your approach let's go play let's go win and i'm curious you know skip got to coach ben mcdonald you got to coach aaron nola jake johnson gets mm-hmm. to coach paul Skeens. i mean take your pick right
6: <laughs> well Skeens might end up being better than you bet and aaron he uh I don't know where you see a guy throwing 100 miles an hour the last pitch of the game and the wipeout slider. He's so athletic. You know, he's got a he's got a big career ahead of him. There's no question about it. He might be the most talented college pitcher I've ever seen. And I've had some great ones, as you know. You mentioned Nola, yeah. Kevin Gosman, Lewis Coleman, uh, yeah. Alex Lang. I mean, go right on down the list. I had great pitchers at Notre Dame. But this kid, Skeens, just seems to be, you know, so talented because he just so – he throws so hard, and yet he combines it with really good command. So, you know, barring injury, I think this kid's on his way to a really great career.
1: What did that do for you? You mentioned all those pictures that you had. You know, when 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 Coach Johnson gets gives the ball to Paul what does that do for you sitting in that or standing in that dugout?
6: <laughs> well, it, it certainly gives your whole team a lot of confidence because, y- you know, if you have to win a low-scoring game, he's got the capability of keeping the other team down. And, yeah. you know, you, you pivotal games. You know, when they get to the regional, you know, they'll start, they'll pitch off the first game against the four seed, and then Skeines will pitch the, uh, you know, the important uh, winner's bracket game. You know, that second game of the regional is so important, Jordy,
0: sure. because yeah.
6: if you go 2-0, now somebody has to beat you twice. You only have to win one more game. But if you lose yeah. in one of the first two games, you got to come back and win three more games after that. And you have to beat somebody else twice when you've got a depleted pitching staff. So having a guy like that to pitch that winner's bracket game, the pivotal game, is so important. And, um, you know, I just don't see anybody beating skeins, quite frankly.
1: Do you, you've been around, you've seen it all. Do you, when you look at LSU currently, and, and look, they, their batting lineup has spoken for itself. That's, that's There's not an easy out in there. But you know, it It comes down to pitching and defense. And when you look at what mm-hmm. Thatcher Hurd did yesterday, and when you look at how Ty Florida's pitched today, what is your consensus about this LSU pitching staff in total?
6: Well, I, I've said for two years that, you know, people are – talking down about the pitching at lsu and i just don't see it that way i see a bunch of guys that are, have really big arms that are throwing yep. 92 to 95 miles an hour <laughs> now they may not perform as well as people want them to but they certainly have the ability and the talent i felt that way last year about the team yeah you know jay chose to put all of those great arms in the bullpen but you know he could have made tied foy Floyd a starting pitcher if he wanted to. He could have made Ale- uh, Grant Taylor a starting pitcher. But, he, you know, he had a, the best bullpen in the country because he, you know, put all those guys in the pen. So right. when you have that kind of pitching at the end of the game, you know, really from the third or fourth inning on, you don't really need to have a lot of starting pitching. You know, this year, obviously, okay. he's you know, he made Floyd the starter, uh, which I thought was a great move. He had skeins. You know, so all of a sudden you got two, you know, great starting pitchers. And, you know, now you got to just piece it together. But they've got good arms. I mean, was, all these guys they're bringing in out of the bullpen, and my goodness, they all throwing the ball really hard. So it's really just a matter of executing the pitches at the key times, getting your off-speed pitches over, you know, mixing in that change-up, and, and just making big pitches at the right time. So I, to me, they have all the the, the, the pieces necessary Uh you know, Jordy, when I look at the arms, I, I, I don't think other teams in the country have the pitching depth that LSU has. Now, I know people are complaining about it, but I, I think they're offline. They're, they're not performing sometimes up to their yeah. abilities, but they have the ability that if they put it all together, I think their pitching staff is going to be outstanding. Now, I'm more concerned, to be honest with you, with their defense. Um, Okay. You know, when Stevens is pitching, you don't have to be concerned about defense because he's striking so many batters out. As long right. as the catcher's catching the ball, you're playing good defense. Um, but when, you know, you have other guys that pitch to contact more, now you've got to be able to make the plays. And, you know, we, we obviously have a very powerful lineup, and, and it's so difficult as a college coach because you don't often get those five-tool players. Alex Bregman right. was a five-tool player. Dylan Cruz is a five-tool player. He, they hit great, but they also play great defense. But, yes. but you don't often get those guys to college because those guys are signing out of high school. So you have to choose in some cases do you want to sacrifice some offense for defense or do you just want to you know, try to outslug everybody. And obviously Jay's philosophy is to have as powerful a lineup as he possibly can out there which has worked well in the in the regular season. They've won over forty ball games. The question is, you know, when you get to the big ballpark in Omaha and you got to make the plays and they can be low scoring games, are we gonna have the, the players make those those plays defensively? And and for the most part they have all year. So I'm not overly concerned about it. I just think if you're looking for one little wart yeah. on the team, that might be it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: See, that's the kind of analysis you need to be on TV or be doing this stuff nationally, man. You're good. You're very, very good. Um, I'm telling you, that would that would abide you your retirement. You'd still be involved in the game. And I'm just telling you, you ought to do that. Look, I, I just saw the latest I just saw the latest compilation of the field of 64 from D1 Baseball. They got 16 regional sites. Eight of those 16 are, be, are going to be hosted by SEC teams. So you're going to have some super wow. regional where there's an SEC team going up against another one. This league is really, really good.
6: Well, first of all, let's remember that D1 baseball, as dedicated as they are to college baseball, are not the official spokesman for the That's NCAA right. selection committee. You're right. So you're right. What, what they may say is going to happen typically does not happen that way okay and i don't okay. I mean that with all the love and affection i can have for those guys because <laughs> they, they try real hard but you know the, we all know the selection committee of the NCAA is not very transparent and they're going to sit behind closed doors and they're going to decide what they think everything should look like and you'll yeah. be surprised when it comes out how different it looks from what actually uh becomes the situation so right. let's uh you know it's fun it's fun to talk about it's Fun to look at, uh, but you know there's no question, you know that the that the conference uh, there's no question that the conference is as strong as it's ever been, stronger than every other conference in the country. And if you get if you can survive the SEC battles, you're going to be ready for the NCAA tournament. And I'd yeah. be very very surprised if you don't see at least four teams in the college world series from the southeastern conference.
1: Wow, wow. We hope it's uh we hope LSU was one of them. Palman area, because of you and your players, they uh they called uh, the SCC tournament the LSU Invitational and uh boy, LSU <laughs> fans are, are there in mass. We'll see what they do in about uh about an hour uh, as they take on Arkansas. Should be a great game. These are two really good teams, man. Really good teams. Yeah, this this is
6: this is a really good we have schemes going. I assume he is. I didn't see for sure the announcement, but you know, Arkansas is tough too. They've, they've had such a great program through the years. It's really kind of amazing that Dave Van Horn has not won a national championship yet because he's an outstanding coach and they've had so many great teams, but LSU has always had the whammy on Arkansas. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm very proud of the fact that uh, head to head, we beat Arkansas most of the time. And, and uh, this year, of course, we beat them two out of three at home. Uh, I'm sure Arkansas is is frothing at the mouth with another chance at LSU today, but they got a tall task going up against Pauline. Yes. So if we can, if we can win today, um, then we get the day off tomorrow. We're on to the weekend. Right. We're at single elimination, and uh, you know, again, people th- say you know the conference tournament's not that important. If it wasn't that important, you wouldn't be seeing teams dog piling on the pitcher's mound. You know, there yep. it's a big. It's a big tournament. The players love it. The coaches are trying to win. And uh, hopefully the Tigers will come home with the championship this weekend and get them ready for the NCAA tournament.
1: Let's let's do this again next week to preview the regional. Um, that was so good and so much fun. I loved it. Thank you, Paul. I, I'll, I'll text <laughs> you see if we can work this out, all right?
6: Okay. If you want me, I'll be here, Jordy.
1: You're the best. Paul Maneri, thank you so much. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. yeah um, he's good. Really, really good. Um, Frank Schwab, he's good, too. We'll talk NFL football with the Schwab next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
1: you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash, don't worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takehouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today.
0: Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the blonde bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane, he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let yourself- may not be as golden or as long but jordy is still making a name for himself back to more of the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: all right we are back 39 minutes after the hour let's get right to it with our good friend from yahoo sports mr frank schwab the schwab is with us good afternoon my friend hey how was your how was your trip to New Orleans since last we spoke?
5: Fantastic, fantastic. It, uh, i don't know if it cooled down at all there, but whoo, was it hot as we left? But uh, yeah, <laughs> a great time. You know, Bourbon Street, uh, French—the uh, French Market, all the all, all the the carousel bar, all the all the sites you want to hit. Uh, we, we made uh-huh. it to, so really, really fun.
1: I hope you didn't jump on the scale as soon as you returned home. You got to give it a week or so to settle in. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Come on They're going to need a, yeah, gonna
5: need a few. Going to need a few days, yeah. weeks, whatever <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Now, what, the NFL. We've got OTAs going on and all that kind of stuff. What? Uh, where, where are we now? What? What are you hearing? What are you thinking? What's What's piqued your curiosity?
5: You know, I think a lot of the stuff this week, and you know, we're just searching for stuff a lot of times. But a lot of the rule change stuff has been interesting. The fact that they're, I mean, not eliminating kickoffs, but pretty much yeah. making them obsolete by the fair catch rule, where if a team fair catches a kickoff, they get a 25 yard line in addition to touchbacks. You you really do wonder if there ever is there ever going to be a kickoff return again, and that bothers some people. It doesn't really bother me. I, I get it. Like. We will still get a ceremonial kickoff, basically, but you know you're eliminating a dangerous part of the game, so it doesn't I guess bother me as much as it should. Maybe I don't know, um, but then also you know it, it's you know Andy Reid talked about it this week, and he's basically said like well, where does it end? Do we we're just going to play flag football? And I think he's overreacting a little bit there, but I think it's interesting because the more you know people freaked out about how the NFL you know mishandled concussions and player safety. And then they also freak out when they put in rules for player safety so it 's got to be one or the other, so that that 's been interesting to me. Um, the graph going to Green Bay uh, I thought that was look at somebody who was originally from wisconsin i 've been to green i 've covered the Packers for three years i 've been to Lambeau field plenty of times been to Green Bay plenty of times. people don 't realize how small Green Bay is. Green Bay is one hundred and seven thousand people. There were 300,000 yeah. people at the draft this year. If they get anywhere close to that, that's three times the size of the city. It's it's wow. gonna be really interesting to see how you know they make this work. But it's still a great, great kind of showcase for Green Bay, Wisconsin, which honestly should not uh, there should not be a professional sports team in a, a place like Green Bay Wisconsin is an absolute miracle that that franchise survived and thrived. That's it's one of the most successful in yep. the NFL. So, a lot of stuff coming out of the owners meetings was was really interesting to me at this this kind of, you know, a quiet time of year.
1: Uh Roger Goodell's going to get a contract extension. Um, do you think that was passed with flying colors?
5: I think at the end of the day, yes. I I mean, I, re- I, I you know, there was that kind of Uneasy, Uh, Jerry Jones seemed to be kind of wanting to take back. You know, I mean, kind of pick at Roger Goodell a little bit and say, Hey, maybe we shouldn't uh, 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 extend this guy. But I think at the end of the day, the NFL owners know what they have with Roger Goodell. Whether you know, casual fans like Roger Goodell or not. To the owners, he's a guy who a makes them a lot of money. He, I mean, he's whether how much credit you want to give him or not. The, the NFL's growing and growing and growing, and and there's no stopping it. And that's it's it's been a, a great growth period for the NFL financially. And then b he takes all the criticism. He He's a guy who doesn't mind standing up there and basically being the punching bag for everybody. So I think for the owners, Roger Goodell, a great commissioner. He's exactly what they want. He's not going to really step out of line with his role or anything like that. He's just going to kind of be the guy they want him to be. They got to pay him a lot of money, but. I think they happily do because they're making a lot of money. So uh, it is very interesting to see Goodell get extended. Now, you know, me, uh, we just did a Yahoo podcast today with me and Jory Epstein talk about, you know, what happens, you know, after three years. Jim Irsay kind of made some comments and made it seem like this is it for Goodell, that, that after the three years, he'll be done. He'll be about 67 years old at that point. So maybe uh, maybe we're reaching the kind of last years of the Roger Goodell era of, of commissionership in the NFL. He'll
1: yep. have a. a- bank account that's full uh with his salary and i i always always wonder like uh you know we follow the sec down here and greg sankey's the commish um he was like second in command for many many years when goodell is done is there a second in command? i mean who's going to take over running the biggest sports business in the world
5: yeah a very interesting question the, I mean, I guess if, if you're just looking like who's next in line, you look at Troy Vincent. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's been a, a forward-facing guy, given him a lot of responsibility on the football side. He's uh, young still. I, I mean, I think he's he's got a lot of respect among the players because he played the game obviously. Uh, shout out to my alma mater, Wisconsin. That he came from, had a great long NFL career. So I think he's got the respect of. The players, because he, he played that game. He's young still. I think he's fifty two, maybe. I mean, he, he's probably about five years older than me. Um, so I, I think that he's he's kind of a long term solution for them. I think that the fact that he's done so many of these league things now gives him respect among the owners that that he could handle that job. We'll see. I, I, they'll cast a wide net because it's you know NFL commissioner. That's a big big job, and you want to get it right. But I wouldn't be surprised at all. If Troy Vincent is next in line.
1: He is Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Um, there's some people out there, some veteran players that still don't have a team. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, he hinted around he'd like to play for the Bengals, the Eagles. The, wouldn't we all like to play for those teams? Um, but none of those teams <laughs> went for him. Is he going to be re signed at a cheap price by the Cowboys? Because I mean, it seems like a, a good fit for him, but what do you think?
5: Yeah, I, I mean, that's the way I want to really make sense right now. I mean, like you said, if if somebody just signed Zeke, it probably would have happened by now. He's probably getting a—it's—it's it's probably a blow to the ego, honestly. Like, you know, he's been Ezekiel Elliott. He was the fourth, third pick of the draft, whatever he was. He's always been the guy. He's had great success, been a big star, and now all of a sudden he's reached that age where it's like, eh, well, uh, are you going to really have a lot left in the tank here, Zeke? And the only situation that makes sense though so is Dallas, they they really have not invested anything at running back. I mean, they did pick uh, the kid from uh, Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, but he's not a traditional running back like a Zeke Elliott. I mean, he's a good playmaker, and I think it was a smart pick in the fifth round. But he's not a Zeke Elliott type run between the tackles, obviously. So I right. think that Dallas kind of left the door open and basically said, hey, Zeke, we didn't draft anybody to take your spot. We haven't signed anybody to take your spot. It's right here for you. And I think Dallas kind of understands, you know, it's not a nice thing, I guess, but they understand nobody else is signing them but us, so we can just sit and wait them out. And I really do think that unless he wants to play the game where, you're, you're, you know, you're waiting until an injury hits in September or October, I think the only situation that really makes sense for him is to come back to Dallas.
1: I'm with you. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's still out there, one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. W- where does he end up going? That surprises me, it really does.
5: I mean, yeah. and I guess, you know, a good backup quarterback is expensive. Like, you're paying money. I mean, it's it's an insurance policy. So it's not like, you know, these teams who probably are looking at their number two quarterback saying, we're in a little trouble here. They're probably like, well, <laughs> we're in trouble, but do we want to spend what we'd have to spend on Teddy Bridgewater? I think Teddy, from all accounts, great guy in the locker room, great guy to have on yeah. your team in your quarterback room everywhere. He, he can come in and give you, you know, good be a solid production at the quarterback position. We saw, it. basically, anytime Teddy has had the play, he's done just fine. And yeah. I think he would do just fine for any team, but it might be like I just talked about with Zeke. That might be a situation where Teddy's sitting there saying, well, what's the point of me signing now? I can wait until whenever and yeah. Gino Smith gets hurt in Seattle, and they absolutely need somebody. And I can come come there, or whoever it is, you know, whoever takes out the the Las Vegas Raiders do not have a backup quarterback right now. I mean, a team like that, if Jimmy Garoppolo goes out, maybe a Teddy Bridgewater resurfaces there. So I think it
1: might be smart for him to just wait and see what happens because you know we always see injuries at quarterback in the NFL. Another name that's out there that nobody's talking about—he's only thirty years old, Arson Wentz. He hasn't announced he's yeah. retiring from football, but. Is there a team out there for him as a backup?
5: And that's interesting because I, I mean, part of being a backup quarterback is you have to accept your role. I, I mean, and I think the teams, when you look at somebody like a like a Teddy, they know everybody knows Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a good mentor to guys. He could be good backup, good. He just does everything you want a backup to do. He's not going to create waves. We don't really know that about Carson Wentz right now. I mean, Carson Wentz has kind of always been a starter, and and. You know, I mean, there's been some rumblings about how he's not maybe the best locker room guy, and that's why he was with three teams in three years. I don't know. I don't know where he ends up. I mean, uh, I don't think he's... He's not so bad that he should be out of the league. I mean, I don't know that he's what he was that one year where he almost won MVP before he got hurt, but he's you know not a bad quarterback. He's just not great, and he turns it over too much. It, it I could see him... And it's hard for me to believe Carson Wentz is done. What is he, 29 years old? I don't even think he's 30 yet, so... I really think Carson Wentz is going to resurface somewhere, but it's hard to tell right now where does he go. I mean, you look again, you look at all these teams and they don't have a backup or they don't have enough cap or really to spend on a, a quality one. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Carson Wentz going there.
1: What would you guess, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports? We saw Jalen Hurts get a five-year, $255 million deal with the Eagles Hours before the draft, Lamar Jackson gets a five-year, two hundred and sixty million dollar deal with the Ravens. Give me a guess. What is a Joe Burrow command? I mean, he's got to go up another
5: notch, right? And yeah. it'll be interesting. I, I'm interested to see if him or Justin Herbert sign first, because I think by all I, like all of us would say Burrow's worth more than Herbert, right? Like I, yep. I, I don't think that's controversial to say. So if it's Herbert that kind of signs first, and he's going to take it to the level, right? Like, everybody kind of goes up one step, right?
3: right. So if
5: if it's a $55 million-a-year deal for Justin Herbert or whatever, Joe Burrow probably says, okay, and they're probably saying it's 60. And, and maybe there's a waiting game going on there between these two and their agents. I don't think they share an agent. Uh, so... We'll see, but I just you know, all the numbers you just threw out for Hertz and, and Lamar, all credit to those guys and they're great quarterbacks, but I think Joe Burrow's worth more and I think he's gonna get more guaranteed. I I don't know if it's gonna be fully guaranteed. Now the wild card and all this is what Joe Burrow wants. Like he he does sound like a guy who's willing to say you know what, pay me a good salary, what I'm worth, but I'm not going to hamstring you. And that's kind of what Mahomes did with Kansas City, where he's got a lot of money, but he also realizes, I, I left a little bit of pie for my teammates to make some free agent acquisitions. think Joe Burrow wants to win. He wants to win a Super yeah. Bowl or two or more. And the best way, one of the ways to do that is to give your team some cap flexibility. So we'll see what Joe Burrow wants, but what could, Joe Burrow can yeah. get, like, Joe Burrow's a blank check guy. He could walk into the office of Mike Brown, their owner, and say, I, I want $60 million year, and I want it guaranteed. What are they going to say? No? Like, they, they have to resign this guy. He's the best quarterback they've ever had. So I just think that it's, it comes down to basically what Joe Burrow wants, because I think that he can get basically anything he demands out of the Bengals.
1: Justin Jefferson, another LSU Tiger with Minnesota, he's going to sign a record deal, and when he does that, that's going to set the table for the LSU other LSU wide receiver in Cincinnati, Jamar Chase. These guys are going to get rich, rich, rich. Yes, indeed. Wow. Right, LSU, um, LSU,
5: LSU, team was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, that was. I put them up. I put them up against anybody, Frank. Anybody, yeah, yeah, I would And say. I like my chances. I mean, you for look at. Group.
5: You look at the numbers Joe put up that year; it's 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 unbelievable. And you look back at it, you're saying like, okay, like did the 2001 Miami have more talent? I don't know. I yeah, I, you you could rattle off the names from that that LSU team, and it's it's pretty impressive.
1: And what was what was funny? I remember him saying in the offseason prior to that year, they asked him about the offense. He goes, "We're going to average over 40 points a game," and we're all like, "What? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Shoot, they did. I mean, you had to score 50 to beat them and that wasn't going to happen, so remarkable. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, you're the best. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Enjoy your week. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You're the best. In Denver, Colorado, the Schwab with Yahoo Sports. We're back to wrap it up with a special Earth Day wish and more next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: And ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you can't shop right at all. By Ducks Cleaning America's Air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. That helps you lose those unwanted inches right there in your tummy, right? Along with permanent fat reduction by the Louisiana Lottery. So many games, so many opportunities to win, but you can't win until you start playing. DC's Little, Capital Exxon, I 10 at the Henderson Cecilia Exit with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted, and by Cajun Chef. Man, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce.
0: Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, back to wrap things up as Alabama has bested Auburn, eliminated their rival seven to four coming up next, right here on the game, LSU baseball as they take on Arkansas. With that in mind, if today, May 25th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to you. You share with one of the all time greats, a five tooler for LSU, now doing the SEC network television. Todd Walker, the big 50 years old today. James, thank you. Thanks, all of you, for listening in. Thanks to our partners. Come on back tomorrow. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helfer. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another and be happy. LSU Baseball, next.